Well, I want you to get your notepad ready. I want you to get, if you're taking notes on your tablet or those of you at home or however you're taking notes, I want you to get some really good notes. I'm going to share with you a lot of scripture in the next few moments because the topic that we're talking about today is like really, really, really important. Uh, When I mentioned taking notes, I can't help but think of a conversation that I had yesterday. Every Saturday, I, I parcel out some time. I always say that if somebody takes the time to fill out a guest card and somebody's crazy enough to put their phone number on that guest card, you've heard me say this, I'm crazy enough to call them. And I do, and I block out time every single Saturday. Uh, One of the unique things about this time, and I'm really grateful to God, as it appears we're getting, hopefully on the other side of this pandemic, uh, we're having uh, like tons of new people coming to our church, uh, new people, people that I've never, ever met before. In, in fact, yesterday I spent probably an hour and 15 to an hour and 20 minutes just calling one after the other uh, new people to our church and just thanking them for coming and finding out if they have questions. Can we serve them or help them in any way? So I had a lot of great conversations. Uh, one of them, and I remember her name, is name her name is Jennifer, and uh, Jennifer and her friends started coming recently. And she, she went on about how much she loves the church, and she's very complimentary of the messages, which I express my gratitude for. And she's a note taker, I could just tell. And then she said, guess what my friends and I, my friend and I just did. And I'm like, what? She said, if I'm describing this right, uh, they, not electronically, but they like to write notes. So she said, we bought, and I think I'm getting this right, a glow-in-the-dark pen online. So even though it's dark, we can write. And so I'm just saying, I, I, don't, I don't own any of that company or anything like that, but it's a great idea. I wish I thought of it. I wish I thought of it when we started our church over 10. I mean, we would have just sold them every week at the table, glow-in-the-dark pens made available. So however you're going to take notes today, I want you to take some really good notes. And I believe that uh, this time is going to be productive for us. And the question we're going to deal with is we've been dealing with these questions in the last three weeks. And uh, question number four today is simply this, how can I hear God speak to me? See, a lot of people are convinced, and I have conversations and you have conversations with people just like this, who believe that at some point in the past that God was speaking. They said, of course, when I pick up the Bible and I read that God was speaking, it's there right before us in the Bible, where in Old Testament and New Testament alike, that God was speaking to people. But the prevailing question that a lot of people are having today is this, is God still speaking in our era? Is God still speaking in our generation? And if he is, is God speaking to me? And if so, how can I hear God? speak. And I want to assure you on the front side of today's talk that God is indeed speaking today. He speaks to us primarily through the Bible, because that is actually the purpose of the Bible, is to reveal God's Word to us. You've heard me say it during this series, to know God's Word is often to know God's will. Now, it's not the only way that God speaks to us. God speaks to us beyond the Bible, primarily the Bible, but there's other ways that God speaks to us. Sometimes God will speak uh, through a person. Sometimes God will speak through a friend. Certainly, it needs to be able to be supported from the Bible. Sometimes there's these impressions that we feel this sense that the Holy Spirit has given us direction. It too should always obviously be in alignment uh, with the Bible, congruent with the Bible, but God is speaking today. 
The question is, are we ready to listen? Do we want to hear what God's going to say to us? I want you to look at this verse. This is out of Luke 8 where we're going to spend all of our time. In fact, all of the scripture is going to be out of Luke 8 until we get to the very end of the talk. But in the B part of Luke 8, it says this, verse 8, when he said this, uh, he being Jesus, when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, I want to just say to you that Jesus would have never made that statement, then let them hear. If they have ears to hear, then let them hear. Jesus would have never made that pronouncement had he not been emphasizing that God is speaking and God is speaking today. And this morning, we're going to dive into the parable of the sower. And we're going to notice in these next few moments, it's why I want you to take some really good notes, four steps from Jesus that will definitely help us to hear from God. So if you're like, I, I, I believe God is speaking, Jeff, but I'm just not hearing him in my own life. I'm going to mention from the teaching of Jesus four things, four things right out of Luke chapter 8 that you and I can do that will help us to be able to hear from God. All right, let's look at these verses. Luke 8, we're going to start at verse 4. We'll read down through the portion you just saw, down through verse 8. Look at it on the screen. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus, that's often repeated phrase in the Gospels, by the way. Uh, you ought to highlight that sometimes. Anytime you see that a large crowd gathered, a large crowd followed, you ought to highlight that. Look at that. From town after town, Jesus told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. This got to be good. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And then the phrase that we just saw. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. The seed on the path uh, that we're going to look at, it's, it's, it's the same in every situation. Four applications of the soil. And again, in each and every occasion, it's the same. Now, it's very important that you and I have some clarity about like what is the seed and, and who is the farmer. And so I just want to give that. I don't want to make any assumptions that we all already know this. So let me just tell you who the farmer is. When Jesus told this parable in Luke chapter 8, who is the farmer? The farmer is actually a picture of God. It is a picture of God. So you got to read that into the story. And we're going to go back to this. Uh, but uh, the, the farmer is actually, you got to see it with those eyes. The farmer is a picture of God. The seed is actually a description of the word of God. The seed that is being scattered by the farmer, by, by God, the seed is the word of God. And as I mentioned to you, it's the same in each situation. Well, what about the soil? Because that's the other part of the parable. The sower is the soil most definitely comes into play in the soil. Well, that's, that's the heart of a person. And that would certainly include our hearts. And sometimes our heart will sort of migrate through these four types of soil. We know where we want to go, but uh, sometimes our heart and our mind will bounce around a little bit in terms of our, our receptivity. And uh, I think that's going to get clear as we get a little deeper into this. I really like what someone has written. Listen to it carefully. The more you become devoted to learning and living God's word, 
then the more you'll hear the divine voice of God in your life. Let me read that again. The more devoted you become to learning and living God's word, the more you'll sense his divine voice in your life. So in our passage today, if you're ready, I'm ready, I've been ready, uh, I want to share with you four types of soil which represents in, in actuality our response our responses to hearing God speak. So uh, I want to give these to you. How can we hear God speak? Uh, four types of soil. Number one and four steps. Step number one, we need to cultivate an open heart. We need to cultivate an open heart. And you're like, Jeff, what are you saying here? I'm saying we've got to want to hear God speak. And when we want to hear God speak, when we just say, God, here's where I'm at in my life in terms of hearing you, I'm receptive. I'm receptive. In fact, it goes beyond that, God. I'm eager to learn. I'm eager to grow. I want to be open. I want to be ready to hear what you are saying to me. So we've got to cultivate. If you and I are going to hear from God, because God is still speaking and he wants to speak to all of us, well, then we're going to have to be certain that we have a, a, an open heart. We've got to cultivate that. Now, in verses 5 and 12, Jesus describes minds and hearts that were actually hardened and closed. And God wanted to speak. God wanted to get through, but, but he was unable because People were closed to that. Minds were closed. Hearts were hardened. And uh, what Jesus says in this parable, he gives the picture. Remember, the farmer is God. The seed is the word of God. The soil is the receptive, receptivity of a person's heart. And then what he does is he gives sort of the idea of the farmer using that agricultural example. But then he jumps ahead in this parable and he describes in a little more detail what he's talking about that. And you're going to see that in the next two verses. So verse five, a farmer, who's the farmer? All right, seven of you were listening earlier. I'm so glad. Who is the farmer? God is the farmer. And God went out to sow his seed. What is the seed? It's the word of God. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. That's the soil. Some fell along the path. We'll come back to that. And it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Now, I don't know. Wave at me if you know a little bit about farming. Let me just wave at me. Maybe you grew up on a farm. Maybe you've you had a garden, but you've grown up. I grew up in Atlanta and there was a lot of concrete and concrete normally doesn't work good for farming. And had there been soil, I wouldn't have known what to have done anyhow. But I've seen I've seen a lot of uh, farm. I've seen a lot of acreage in terms of that. In fact, um, every time I, I go and visit my grandkids, which on Tuesday of this week, they're coming to see us. All four of them, seven and five and three and four, and the house is about to become chaos. Would you pray? Would you intercede for us this week? Would you do that? But every time I go up there, because my daughter-in-law's father is a farmer, and he actually uh, farms, I, I think, about 1,000 acres of corn and 1,000 acres of soybean. And he does that. And it's all around where they live. Now, uh, not necessarily in that garden because, you know, corn, it just, it's just like a maze that goes on forever and forever. But I've seen and you've seen, especially if you've grown up on a farm, that there are the rows between all, all of the plants. And on these, on these rows, and it's really the picture that Jesus is painting, and as he's communicating this, they, they would have understood this fully. 
And uh, it's a little bit different, certainly in an more archaic agricultural sense. There were rows between the crops, and when the farmer went out, he would walk on these rows between the crops, and uh, it wouldn't be like individual seed that would be planted. It would be a scattering of the seed, and the scattering of the seed, what oftentimes, you just couldn't help it. You weren't trying to be wasteful, but the seed would land on these paths, not just on the crops but or, or the ground, the soil, but would also land on these paths. And the paths over time had become hardened. They would become... Not as hard as concrete, but we might would say concrete-like. And so as a result of that, as the farmer, who in this case is a picture of God, and he's scattering the seed, he's scattering the word, and he's just trying to broad distribution, get it out as much as possible. Inevitably, some of that is going to fall, not on the good soil, but on the path that had been hardened over time. It can't get into the ground. And as a result of it not being able to enter the soil, the birds actually have a feast. And when Jesus is considering this, and he's talking about this, a hard heart, a concrete-like heart, a closed heart, he's actually, and I want you to be sure you get this in your nose, he's actually describing here a defensive heart, a heart that has become defensive, has become hard. That's what the soil is like. It's not receptive. It's not eager to receive. It's hard. And there's a lot of things that can cause our heart to become Harden. There's a lot of things that can cause, in this case of, as it relates to hearing God speak, that can cause our heart to become defensive. Uh, one of the things that can cause us to become defensive is, is just simply, as it relates to God speaking to us, sometimes we may have this sense of fear. I'm afraid what God is going to say. I, I'm afraid that God is going to ask me to do something that I really don't want to do. I, I'm afraid that God is going to want me to change, that God's going to ask me to do something that I'm not doing that really I don't want to do, or God's going to ask me to stop doing something that I'm doing that I, I really don't want to stop. And so sometimes our heart is non-receptive. It's hard. It's hard out of fear, fear of what God may say to us if we really listen. Sometimes our heart, though, will become hard because of pride. And it's like, you know what? Here's the reality. Um, you know, I, I don't really right now need God's, you know, a lot of people feel this way. I don't really need God's wisdom and counsel. Like, you know, I've got God held over here in reserves. And, and when I need him because he's good and he's, you know, he's loving and he's kind that, you know, I'm going to just put him in abeyance and I don't really need him. In fact, I don't want him interfering with my life right now. But really, technically speaking, I don't need God. And people would never say this and never say it out loud but they live as though they're their own boss. And you know, here's what I'll do. I'm doing okay on my own. If I need God's direction, if I need God's wisdom, if I need God's counsel, if I need God's voice, well, he's over here in reserves. I'll call him out of the bullpen if I need him. But right now, I don't really need him. And our pride can cause us to become defensive. Sometimes it's not our fear. Sometimes it's not our pride. Sometimes it can be our pain, or we might would even say bitterness, where we just say, you know what? I'm going to be defensive because I've just been so hurt in my life. And a lot of people, a lot of you, have come through some really serious hurt in your life. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to protect my heart, and I'm not going to allow myself to ever be hurt again because when it hurts, it hurts, and it hurts bad, and I'm not going to allow that to happen to me again. So here's what we do. We sometimes erect these walls, and we're going to block people, and we're going to keep them out, and sometimes the person that we even keep out is God. 
And so when Jesus is talking about here, uh, this soil, you know, that falls, the seed falls along the path, he's talking about a hard heart, which is usually a defensive heart. And the first thing that Jesus, I believe, would tell us out of this parable, if we're really going to hear God speak to us, is we're going to have to learn the value of cultivating an open heart. God, here I am. I want to hear I want to listen. I'm eager to receive. I want to grow. So that's number one, cultivate an an open heart. Number two, allocate. Allocate some time to listen. Now, the first one is really, uh, and I'm just being utterly transparent. I never try to pretend that I'm, I'm a perfect guy because if you think I'm a perfect guy, then you do not want to talk to my family and closest friends. Because I'm far, far, far from a perfect guy, a guy and, and I do pretty good on the first one. In fact, when I just sort of evaluate, because normally if I'm going to share a message, I first of all preach it to myself and make sure that to the best of my ability, I'm measuring up to what I preach. And so the first one, as I'm working through the text, I'm like, okay, God, I feel like I'm doing, you know, really good in this one. But the second one can hamstring me. Maybe it does as well. And that is allocating time to listen. And in this setting, I'm not even talking about having a daily devotional. I guess I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to go ahead and just, uh, you know, assume that you do that already. And I know that's dangerous for me to do. Sometimes people say to me, I've heard it often, uh, you know, you really believe, you really believe way too much the best of people. But then I often, if I know somebody, when they've told me that, I say in reply, well, it sure beats the alternative of always thinking the worst of people. So I just want to assume that everybody here is already, you've already got a daily devotional time. And if you don't, maybe you've got some real conviction that now you need to, since I'm already assuming that about you. And so I'm not even talking about that part of it now as much as because that's something I do and that I guard that and I protect that like crazy. But sometimes I just get too busy to listen and I'm an activistic guy. Brody will show up. Brody, he's three. And this kid, I've mentioned this to you, he's off the chain. They, he doesn't want to take a nap. He doesn't. He doesn't want to go to sleep at night. He's just like from the time he wakes up until the time, the time that he finally, they convince him to go to sleep at night. This guy's wide open. He very, very uh, rarely slows down. Now, he slowed down for yesterday, uh, yesterday for a little while, and they sent us a picture of it. He is, and I don't know what this kid was thinking. I told you he's a total mess, but he's sitting in one, a chair that is that big. One of his sister's doll's chair. He's sitting in that chair. I guess he wanted to be especially close to what he was playing with. And they walk, he, they sent us a picture. The chair is that, I don't know how it was supporting his weight. But he doesn't like to slow down, and I talk about it uh, all the time. And then I realize that, that in some respects, I'm an adult version of that. And just from the moment I get up, and I like to get up early, and, and some of you are like, I don't like to get but I do. I just love it. I set my alarm for 4.30 every day. I get up. I start getting uh, ready for the gym, and no time is to be wasted. So while I'm getting ready for the gym, get my stuff together, I start listening to a podcast. If I walk to the other room, I stop it. When I walk back in, I start it, and I'm just going, 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 and I've got my coffee, as I mentioned to you, because that's part of God's will for my life is coffee. I 
Uh, and so, and then I go to the gym and then I come home after I've got a good workout in and I get a shower and I pick up where I left off on the podcast and, and then I'm ready and get my stuff together. I'm gone Chick-fil-A every day of the week because that is also God's will for my life. Except Sundays, I have to eat at a place that is not God's will for my life, but I do it nevertheless and then hit the office and I study, 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 working on the message for the week, for our next series, for the next talk and meetings and projects. And then I come home and there's always something to be done. And you know how it works. Something's got to be done in the yard. You know, something needs the attention, something with the pool, the family budget and just go, 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 go till the end of the night. And then I'm like, Brody, I just go, go, go until I finally collapse and then get up all over again the next morning. And a lot of you are like, Jeff, I'm right there with you. That's life is flying by. Do you ever feel like you just never have time to slow down? Wave at me if you do. You're just always going, 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 going. And so for me, that's why I wanted to be totally transparent with you and say, this one is probably of the four types of soil. This, this one in terms of the most challenge, this would be the most challenge for me is even after my devotions where I've read and, you know, I write out my, my prayers and then I pray them out loud. And then, but sometimes I just too quickly jump into the next thing rather than saying, God, I just want to take a few moments right here. What I read, how does that apply to my life? What do you want me to do with that? And to take the thing that we're talking about today and what Jesus is emphasizing here in in Luke chapter 8, to just allocate the time to actually listen to God, to say, God, you are speaking to your word, but how does that apply to my life? It's not just, uh, you know, it's not just what did it mean for those initial recipients? And that's all a part of biblical interpretation. We need to try to understand what Jesus was saying when he said it originally. But how is what Jesus saying going to apply to my life? What do I do with it? And for me, that's sometimes where I get tripped up and I'm like, okay, prayed, but I don't pause long enough to listen. How do I apply it? What do I do specifically? Really think it through. I'm like, I'm on to the next thing. Luke chapter 8, look now at verses 6 and 13. Look at this, because Jesus talks about it, then he explains. Verse, um, well, here we go. Uh, Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Go back, if you will, guys, for just a moment. I want you to go back to, uh, go to Luke chapter 8 and verse 6. I want you to see this right here. Luke 8, 5. Let me say that. Luke 8, 5. Look at verse 5 here, and I'm going to read it from my notes and believe by faith it's on the screen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Next slide. Verse 12. Look at this. And then Jesus explains, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away from the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So they may not believe and be saved. Well, the seed, if the seed on the path the seed on the path describes a heart that is closed or hardened, then the seed that is scattered on the rocky ground, and guys, I made the mistake, not you, my fault. Don't want you to think it was them. It was all me. Just go ahead and say it. It's all you, Jeff. You did it. Yeah, go ahead. All right, you guys are okay. Because I know how this works. I've been to them. The people are like, yeah, those tech guys, they messed up. No, the tech guys, they did great. It's God talking to you that messed up. 
So if the seed on the path describes a closed or hard heart, the seed then scattered on rocky ground depicts a superficial heart. And the problem with this, and this is what Jesus is saying, the soil is shallow. The seed has gone into rocky places, not on the hard concrete like concrete like rows where the birds come in and they just have a feast on the seed. They can't. In this case, some of the seed in the process of just broad distribution, some of the seeds it lands on rocky places. And there's no soil for it to ever take root. And so there's no depth. Nothing can grow. And it never, you know, evolves into a mature plant. And I've got I've to say this. And, and I always do. It's just by nature what I do. I always believe the best in people. But at times, I've lived long enough as a pastor to see this play out in real times. Where again and again, I've seen people who are newer to the faith, or maybe they've been in the faith for a while, but they just haven't really caught their stride yet, where there's this sense of initial joy. And it's just like off-the-chart joy, and it's almost like a spiritual, emotional rush. And there's big thoughts, and there's big dreams, and there's big promises that are made, but then it doesn't take very long. And you're not judging a person like that, but, you know, all the enthusiasm and all this, you know, being pumped up so much about the things of God, and I'm going to do this, and I can't wait to do this. But then over time, unfortunately, you begin to see that there are no roots that really go deep. And as a result of that, there's no lasting commitment. Don't stay with the commitment. There's no transformation. There's no depth. And maybe you have felt this at some point in your own life. Most of us have at some point. Maybe you feel a little bit like this right now where you were on fire. I mean, you were on fire for God. But you're not on fire for God anymore. Maybe you're ice cold. Maybe if you're not ice cold, you're tepid at best. And Jesus said that when this happens in the time of testing, fall away just fall away. There's no root. There's no depth. There's nothing going deep. In fact, I heard about and read a little bit about this, and it just encouraged me to do more research than I'll share with you today. But, um, you know, when I hear the word alfalfa, I don't think plants and crops. Some of you uh, do. I actually think of the little rascals, and that dates me. So I, I realize that. But uh, alfalfa, as I'm talking about here, is not a person, but it's a plant. And as I got to reading and reading more and more about this, and I'll just read a couple of statements, and I'm reading quotes that I, I came to understand about it because I was so impressed of some initial readings. As it relates to alfalfa plants, crops, they're known for its tolerance. They are known for their tolerance of drought, tolerate drought, heat, and cold. Another phrase that was mentioned, their tap roots can be as long as 50 feet. Think about that, an alfalfa plant. As long as 50 feet in plants that are over 20 years of age. And the whole idea about these kind of plants, it's just sort of phenomenon in their own agricultural sense, is these plants can handle the heat. And so that's what I want to ask you. Can you handle the heat? Oh, I'm so fired up for God. I'm so fired up. I can't wait. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to go. I'm going to accomplish this with God's help. And then there's a little heat. And Jesus said, there's no root. In a time of testing. Well, these, these plants are known because they can not only handle the heat, but they can handle the dry times, the drought. 
Can I just help you? Because this may help somebody right here, right now. You may feel like you're going through a dry time in your life right right now, and that's going to happen to all of us. No matter how much you love God, no matter how passionate you are for Jesus, there's going to be certain seasons in your life when you feel like you're in a drought. But I want to remind you, when that happens, God is not changed. Jesus has not changed. The Bible has not changed. God is just as real as he's ever been before. He's just as powerful as he's ever been, and there's nothing. And so even in the trial, you know, people who have roots, they can still, they're like, hey, I know rain's coming. I know better days are ahead. But in in the meantime, while it seems that, you know, conditions are dry, there's a drought, I'm hanging in there. These alfalfa plants are phenomenons because they can not only handle the heat, they can handle the dry times, but they can also handle the bitter cold. And how are they able to do it? Simply put, they have roots that grow, grow deep, 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 deep. Can I ask you a question? I'm not trying to start anything, I promise. But I want to ask you, are you a shallow Christian or are you a solid Christian? You notice I didn't say a perfect Christian because there are not. Somebody that would say there are a perfect Christian would be a lying Christian. I mean, what is most depicting of your life right now? Would you... And again, just sort of that personal assessment. I, I don't know you fully. You don't know me fully. But if we're just honest before God and honest with ourselves. How deep are we? What are our roots really like? How are we growing? What is our passion level for God? What is the priority of God in our lives? Are we shallow and unwilling to admit it? Or are we solid? What do we want to be? And if we just say, I want to get deeper in God then the reality is we've got to make more time for God. I'll allocate time to read God's word and to listen to God more and to grow deep and to grow strong and develop some roots. I need to hurry. Number three, step one, cultivate an open heart. Step two, allocate some time to listen. I'll hurry through these last two. Number three, eliminate distractions. Eliminate distractions. It's so easy to have a mind and a heart that is crowded so easy to have a mind and a heart that is cluttered, and according to Jesus, one that is choked by worries, riches, and pleasures. Let's take a look, and I'll try to get it right this time. Verse 7. Look at verse 7. Verse 7. Verse 7. All right. This one is not on me. All right. I'm just saying. Now it is you. <laughs> verse 7. There we go. All right. I'm not. T- all right. That's a lot. Verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plant. Go to the next one. Look at this verse right here. And Jesus speaks what he's talking about in verse 14. The seed that fell among thorns. He's like, hey, this is what happened, but let me explain it to you. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, look at this, look at this, look at this. They're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Now, what would Jesus say about this? Here, Jesus is talking about seed that actually does get into the ground. It is not seed on the path. 
that the birds come and gobble up, have a great feast. And this is not even seed that falls on rocky places. And because there's no depth, there's no roots, and never going to be any serious growth and maturity. No, in this case, the seed actually initially gets into the ground. And as a result, there's some initial signs of hope and optimism. This is going to be great. This is going to be wonderful. Something's going to sprout. Something's going to grow. Something is going to happen. And Jesus is saying, saying it looks optimistic until something happens. And here's the problem, Jesus said. The problem happens is when weeds make their debut. How many of you here wish that you could grow quality grass and beautiful flowers as well as you can grow weeds? How many of you have known? Have you noticed this? I noticed it in my house yesterday. It drives me crazy. I'm like OCD. Everything's got to have its place. Everything's got to look right. You know, I, I walk up to places. I really, I really do. Sometimes I'll walk up, walking into a business, and I'll see, I'll see like three or four weeds sprouting. And, and I don't do it because I don't want people to think I'm crazy. But so badly do I want to lean over and just one, two. All right, that looks so much better. And then I say that, but then I'm hypocritical in this sense. Yesterday, I'm looking at my own yard, and I'm like, I need to pull some weeds. And unfortunately, my kids are all too grown to grow weeds. And, and they were God's gift in my life to help me pull weeds at some point in the past. But they're beyond that. I'd say to them, it's time to pull weeds. They looked at me as if I was, as if I was saying, it's time for you to go to Siberia and labor for a while. But Jesus said the problem becomes the weeds. In this parable that Jesus shares, the soil with weeds is description is a description of a preoccupied heart. The pace of life is fast moves, moving. We become too busy, overcommitted, distracted. And the weeds in this example that Jesus gives us in this parable can, can be the pressures or, or it can be the problems. It can even be the pleasures that seem to always crowd God out. And furthermore, and we know this, and I know it, and it's driving me crazy because now that I've mentioned the weeds, I'm like, I've got to do something about those weeds. I've got to do something about those weeds. The weeds are a sign of neglect. That's the problem. Weeds are a sign of... You'd make me feel better if some of you would say, in my yard, there's a little bit of neglect right now as well. Just wave at me if there is. We're all going to pull weeds this afternoon, aren't we? You said, no chance. I still have kids at home. What are you, what are you talking about? But the weeds can be the pressures or the problems or the pleasures. Crowd God out. I can't hear God. We neglect God. I can't hear God because I'm too busy at work. I can't hear God. My career is consuming my life. I can't hear God. These hobbies, man, they're just, they're just grabbing my, my recreational life. I can't hear God because, you know, I'm so busy with, uh, you know, good things. Good things sometimes, our family times and our friends. But I can't hear God because I've got this. I can't hear God because of worry. I can't hear God because of the anxiety in my life. Mark Sanborn is, is not a theologian. He's actually a business leader, but he provides us with this sobering reality. He says, and this is, this is, Man, it just sort of rivets us all. He said, we always make time for what we truly value. We always, you know, when we really value something, we've got enough money for it. If we value something, we'll find enough ways to make time for it. Cultivate an open heart, Jesus said. Allocate time to listen. Number three, eliminate distractions. Four, and we're done, and I'll be brief. Cooperate with what God is telling us to do. Just cooperate. 
You know what that is? That is a pre, I wish I had more time to talk about this. This is a pre, predetermined attitude and mentality where we just say this, whatever God asks me to do, God is going to hear from me a resounding yes. God's going to hear from me a resounding yes. If you uh, remember back when your kids were younger, you have young kids now, and a lot of you have young kids now. Isn't it always fun when you look at a little one and you ask them to do something and, uh, and you ask them to do it and they look at you and they lock eyes and they say, no, no. Isn't that, have you ever had your kids say that? Okay, you're a perfect Christian, a perfect parent, we're perfect kids, I see. Uh, but no. And, and they're not thinking right at the time. And thank God you are thinking right because good thing is you're thinking right when they look at you and tell you no. But we don't, I mean, we don't like hearing that. But can I just tell you, and again, I wish I had more time to get into this, but can I tell you that you and I have done that to God so many times, our Heavenly Father, where God said, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. And we say, no, I'm not. This is what I want. No. I, I want you to start, no. And we've done this so many times, and, and uh, Jesus is just saying that it's a wise thing for you and I to just be in that posture where whenever God, whenever God speaks, that God's going to be met with this, yes, God, whatever it is, whatever it is you want me to do, that is what I'm going to do. Verse 15, Jesus describes the best kind of soil, and it's where we all want to go. But the seed on good soil, on good soil, stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by perse persevering produce a crop. Man, isn't that a powerful thing? And you know, I, I think about that even now, that this picture of a good soil is, is actually the picture of a receptive heart. And Jesus is just saying, you know, here's what I want for you. This, and Wise gives this parable. Here's what I want for you. I want you to be attentive. I, I want you to be growing. I want you to be consistent. I want you to be committed. I want you to be maturing. I want you to be purposeful. I want you to be obedient. I want you to be a fruit-producing Christian. And when we are, make no mistake about it, we will hear God speak. We will hear God speak. We will hear Jeff, do you believe that God is speaking today with all my heart? He speaks to me every day when I read his word. I've got to do a little better than pausing at the end of my prayers after I, he spoke to me from his word, and then I've spoken to him at my prayer. I've got to get better. Perhaps you do as well, where we just, just wait before we rush to just say, God, is there anything that you want to say to me? Is there any impression, any leading, any prompting, anything from what I've read that you want to say to me today before I kick it into high gear? But God is speaking, and he's speaking to people all over the world today. But we've got to cultivate an open heart, and we've got to be willing to take the time to listen and to eliminate a lot of distractions and then cooperate. And he says, this is what I want. We've already decided, yes, God, I will do what you want me to do. As you stand this morning, one last verse, and I'm going to pray. You're going to see it on the screen. And I want you to read this last one with me. Everybody, this is James chapter 1 and verse 22. Let's all read it together. You ready? But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. 
Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Let's pray. So God, help us to do that. We want to listen to your word, and we believe that you are speaking. We want to do what your word says. To do anything else would be utter foolishness. God, thank you for giving me the capacity to believe the best in people. Not just believe that this is a church family, that we're not only going to listen, we're going to do what your word says. We're really going to connect with you. We're really going to reshuffle our priorities. We're really going to take time to listen. For those that don't have a daily habit of being in your word, for those that don't have a daily habit of spending time with you in prayer, God, that they'll do that. And then help us all to get better, God, at taking those moments to just listen. God, what are you saying to me? What kind of prompting? What kind of leading? What are you teaching me from this that I've read in your word? God, we want to do it your way. And when you give us direction, we don't want to contemplate it. We don't want to churn it over in our mind. We certainly don't want to say no. We want to have a predetermined yes to the one that loved us enough to die for us. Help us to take your word today and to do something with it because you really are still speaking to people today. And we want to hear you. And for that, we give you praise. Everybody said, amen. Amen. I love you, everybody. Have an awesome week. See you next Sunday.